it's time for Nordic on Tap. I'm your host, Eric Stavney, for this Nordic on Tap podcast of life stories, folk tales, and music of the Nordic countries, Iceland, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Sápmi, and the Faroe Islands, with contributions from folks west of the Atlantic as well. There are lots of things many of us would love to be doing, but we're in self-isolation at home. In Seattle, we're under orders not to go out unless absolutely necessary to get groceries, food, or medication. Others of us have to keep going to work, such as nurses and doctors and caregivers. But many businesses are closed completely, or in the case of a few restaurants and bakeries, they can deliver to your car or have it brought to your home. But other organizations like nonprofits are really feeling the pinch, especially since closure may last realistically into the summer. We just don't know. In starting up and operating a small business, you're usually advised to keep three to six months worth of cash on hand for Uh, operating expenses in case something like the current situation happens. But on the average, though, companies with fewer than 500 employees, that's most of these we're talking about here, have less than a month of cash reserves, according to J.P. Morgan Chase Institute. So where does that leave our community, particularly the Nordic or Scandinavian community here in Seattle? Uh, We as humans will certainly get through this, but how many of our cherished businesses and institutions will still be standing if this goes on another one to four months or longer? I decided to find out by calling as many organizations and businesses I could think of to find out how close to the edge they are and whether there was any way we could put out the word if one or more of them needed special support. And what that support might look like is... Uh, yet another question. I spoke first with Eric Peel at the National Nordic Museum in the Ballard neighborhood of Seattle. Uh, they've been closed for the last few weeks. Here's an excerpt from that conversation. You know, certainly they are challenging times and, uh, you know, so very different from two weeks ago. So uh, um, it is uh, uh, rather surprising. I mean, the museum uh, itself it has... Um, grown dramatically in the last three to four years and, you know, and is now in a new location. And it does take resources to uh, operate the museum. And even though we're close to the public, which is uh, something that we were uh, distressed about, but understand uh, the need to uh, do that in support of public health. But uh, nonetheless, it's, uh, as, a, as part of our mission is to be a community gathering place, it's disappointing that we can't serve the community in that way. So we're still thinking about ways to have a museum to care for, and we're preparing for when we uh, will reopen to the communities. Um, but yes, it's really important, I think, to support community organizations that we care about during these difficult times. It doesn't mean that we 
because places aren't open to the public that they don't still need to run and operate. And so I think uh, that's incumbent upon all of us in the community to, to do that, to support these, to support the organizations we care about. So, so, we, so the museum, about 70% of our income is tied to uh, admissions and um, rentals of using our space for events and meetings and for uh, people who come and have uh, lunch or coffee in our, co- our cafe or uh, buy things in our shop. And so we were in a very sustainable position when we're open to the public and people are coming and, and using the museum. And I think it becomes more challenging when uh, all of those revenue sources stop. But we, uh, at the same time, we still have to keep the museum operating. We still have energy costs and we still have the costs of our staff who are working to um, care for the collection and to uh, install our next exhibition and to do all of those things. So we we um, launched an email invitation to our members uh, yesterday to invite them to support the museum during this difficult time, and we uh, will be sending a letter to out to everybody that we care about, so that we or uh, cares about us, so that we can let them know about what our plans are and where we're going, and and inviting them to help. And uh, so far, people have been. Uh, very supportive uh, right away. So it's um, it's really fantastic. We are honored uh, and humbled by everyone's support. The museum was uh, has, was built and became the museum it is today with uh, the community banding together to help it come to be. And uh, 10 years ago was a seemingly daunting task to think about building a new museum because it was going to take $52 million to do it. And I think uh, for a number of years, a lot of people thought, could we really do it? And I thought it might be an impossible task. And here we are today with a fantastic new museum that's actually been designated as the National Nordic Museum by Congress uh, because of its uh, uh, impact on the uh, people of the United States. And so I think um, just like we... Uh, uh, the new museum has come to be with the help of the community. So we'll, I think we will get through all of this. Uh, I'm confident we'll get all through all of this together, but it's going to take all of us working together to support the community uh, and not only the museum, but the organizations we care about. It's so important for us to support these organizations throughout the year. And so I encourage everyone to frequent uh, organizations in our community and, and help them uh, to, because we will get through these times together uh, by all uh, helping out. What were some of the ways you thought that folks could support, keep, keep the museum afloat? What were some of the yeah, so, um, so we um, um, uh, put out a link. And so if some people would like to make a contribution, we think we, think we need to raise about a, at least $500,000 to get us through this time period and we invite people to make any contributions large or small to help us do that and so we've had a number of people who uh, made very generous contributions uh, just in the first two hours that that was uh, that was out there so um, we're grateful for the support and uh, you know when the museum reopened we want people to come down and we're uh, um, installing a new exhibition um, uh, Gudrun Chodayan, A Colorful Universe, about a um, Swedish uh, designer, fashion designer, who has been, um, who's in her 70s and has been uh, designing uh, clothing for the, more than the last 30 years and is, uh, uh, has an international business. Uh, and I think there's, she has a following of at least 5,000 people in our region. So um, it's going to be a spectacular exhibition. So I think when this um, cloud uh, 
cleared from over our heads. We will hope people will come down and continue to use the museum and um, visit the museum. And uh, and um, we are also planning for programs and other things that we want to res- that we've wanted to reschedule that we're scheduled now. Um, also, in the interim, uh, we are putting uh, uh, out. Uh, programs and activities uh, via our, our social media channels and via email to our email list. So if you want to do things at home with your children or family or, or even for yourself, we are uh, posting programs and activities that are out there that uh, uh, people can do. It's a really good point, and Christina made this from the Swedish club that you know if you do get through it and you are able to open your doors, you People don't automatically, you know, just resume <laughs> their patronage of your outfit, and so uh, that's a really good point. Eric went on to talk about how you can view some of the collections online, um, about their upcoming exhibit, about fashion designer Gudrun Sheridan, uh, and their plans to offer the Nordic Innovation Conference online as well. Speaking of museums, I did try to contact the Vesterheim Museum in Decorah, Iowa and I do know they're closed. They also offer the chance to peruse their digital collections online and have an online gift shop at vesterheim.org, V-E-S-T-E-R, Vesterheim, H-E-I-M.org. I've purchased a number of rosemalling supplies from them myself. We have two Nordic-oriented radio shows in the greater Seattle area that many of us rely on for news and entertainment, one out of Seattle proper and the other out of the city of Everett, which is about 30 miles north. The one in Seattle is the Scandinavian Hour, a music variety show. They've been at it for 60 years plus, and it's really not clear if they'll be able to keep going. When I talked to the producer, Doug Warney, uh, he said the recording studios he uses at station KKNW are closed, so he'll have them rerun past shows. And then there's the situation he has of vanishing revenues from businesses who are pulling their ads. Since, you know, why advertise when the customer can't even do business during this time? You can support the Scandinavian Hour by listening to the show at 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturdays. Just Google KKNW and listen. Or emailing them at scanourkknw at outlook.com. Or, of course, uh, placing an ad with them for your business. The other Nordic-oriented radio show is out of Everett at KSER called Nordic Roots and Branches with host Karen Polly. That's on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Karen plays music on her show and interviews folks live. Uh, but since the studio's closed to her at this time, she uh, plans on recording shows at home. I'm sure we can support her and her show by listening to KSCR online or on the radio on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific. A longtime resident of Seattle's Ballard neighborhood, like for at least 60 years, is Scandinavian Specialties. Besides lots of Scandinavian gifts, kitchenware, jewelry, books, sweaters, and CDs, they also sell fish cakes and goat cheese. Scandinavian chocolate, Freya, my favorite. And traditional rice porridge. They have an online store, and they are still selling, but things are grim. I chatted with Bjorn Rood, the owner, who's a friend of mine. Me and a lot of other people and businesses are worried about you. <laughs> well, my 
much appreciated. All I mean, right. Thank you. Serious concern. I mean, you're an anchor. I mean, hey, we're all um, we're all in it together, and I think it's you know times like this when uh, our finer levels of humanity or our worst levels of humanity kind of tend to start showing themselves when. Uh, so yeah, it's um, I'm optimistic. Um, be frank. I think realistically, we're probably looking at a July reopen. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be that long, unfortunately. And that's if measures are taken um, around the country. If we continue not taking measures, this could go until the end of the summer. Oh, so. I agree with you. So, so are you fully closed? Do you still get an online business still? We'll be we'll be doing online uh, shipping and sales. And I just kind of came to the, to the decision today that I believe I'm going to include the opportunity for store pickups. Yeah. I'm not going to allow anybody to come in. Right. But if they're able to um, call ahead with their request, give me payment information on the phone, then I can sort of bring that out to their vehicle or something like that. Right, um, right. Yeah, I think we'll move to Monday through Friday hours as well because I'm only going to have – I had to um, drop most of my staff. So I'm going to have just two people here and they'll be here, right. like I said, Monday through Friday. Oh, um, that's hard. Wow. Yeah, that was probably the hardest part of this whole process is, you know, like every small business, you know, a team and everybody cares about each other's well-being and, um, you know, we all know each other pretty well, too. And so uh, making these choices has been really, um, honestly, the hardest part of it all. Well, you know, it's like uh, I think I think that's the case with most things that humans do. We tend to be a pretty reactive bunch and yes. uh, a particularly proactive species. So um, right we remember what we miss when we don't have it, you know. Are, you, yeah. are there certain kinds of things that people buy at this kind of, at this kind of juncture? Um, it's not food. I mean, I'm not. I'm not seeing a lot of gift sales, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. The last week or so, it's pretty much just been staples. And um, as soon as we started kind of for- forecasting that we were going to be closed here earlier in the week, um, we noticed people were coming in to, to kind of do a little more stocking up on on those staple goods like lefse and certain cheeses and, um, you know, the things that they know they're not going to find at QFC. Right. So we, we've been... Um, definitely buoyed by the feeling of community support and uh you know everybody comes in and wishes us well and um you know i think for this for this business and a lot of other small businesses you know that's what we're in it for really i mean yeah it's it's good to be able to pay our bills but um there's very few individuals i think that run businesses like this and have a realistic expectation to become wealthy so it's um it's really it's really it's we're a community um, peace and we're a community store and um, when people come in and tell us they appreciate us that's you know the, the biggest payment we can we can get so yeah. we uh, yeah. we appreciate that yeah. so, yeah. well uh, as uh, Christine uh, at the Swedish club Christina said uh, to me she said if if you're actually you know calling up folks and figuring out where they're at she said make sure you tell them that to speak up if they think they're not going to make it so that we can focus our support on keeping them alive yeah yeah no i hear that well if um yeah if, if 
you know, right. This is it's it's tough because it's such a slow time of our year. So and right. it's, right. it's nice that it's not in December and I'm not <laughs> That's losing. That's for sure. You know, That's your that would put me out of business um, one December without with closing the shop, and we would not exist. So right. at least it's at this time of the year. Um, my bills are a little lower, um, and there was really just rent and, and payroll that are kind of the big the big things that put me in the red as we go through the spring and the summer. Um, and so downsizing um, my staff, which is my biggest expenditure, I'm hoping that, you know, as, as it is to tell people that they have to go on unemployment, I, that's really like, that was really the only way to think that we're going to make it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's, I, I, I can't, I would be able to go one month and pay everybody and then we'd have to shut, shut it down. So, um, in this sense, we hope hope that just with some rent payments and then hopefully we can drum up some online sales. And if we get support from the community, then, you know, hopefully we can jump back in in July or August and, and not be, you know, too much further in the hole. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I kind of trend towards optimism until it gets really dire and then maybe then it's too late. But right now I'm, I'm still seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Well, you, um, you have to. Otherwise, yeah. why, why go on, you know? So. Well, I, I, I'm with you. Um, yeah. Much appreciated, Eric. Thank you. Yeah. No, I um, like I said that the outwelling of support is really uh, it's really a great thing to hear. And when you know struggles with our rent and our lease in the past, um, having that kind of sentiment be echoed from so many community members is um, it's really heartwarming. And, and like I said, that's ultimately why we're here. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Another Nordic-oriented gift shop, which is not located in Seattle, is Nordiska in Paulsbo, Washington, a ferry ride and drive for most of us who live east of Puget Sound. I spoke briefly with owner Kristen Klossert and learned that they are closed now too, but are hoping to offer online shopping. So you can visit Nordiska at nordiskashop, all one word, dot com. In Seattle, Swedish Americans rally at the Swedish Cultural Center along Lake Union, what most of us just call the Swedish Club. I spoke with Christine Leander, executive director, and learned that they have been very dependent on renting out their spaces, running language classes, folk dancing, weaving classes, of course their famous Swedish pancake breakfasts, and uh, hosting dinner on Fridays in their cafe. All of these things are canceled indefinitely. So far, Christine says they've been able to hang on to most of their staff, but they might lose their chef and bartender at the cafe because, well, they have no one to cook for or serve to. It's been really tough for them. For as with other institutions, they still have insurance and heat and light and taxes to pay, uh, whether they're open or not. And they're such a major Nordic organization and landmark in Seattle. In an appeal to Swedish club members, Christine writes about how important it is to have a familiar meeting and gathering place in our community. She hopes members will donate money to keep them alive or renew their memberships early. And she hopes that the annual auction is still possible to hold if they can reopen in May. As we chatted finally about the importance of community and businesses that are part of our celebrating our heritage, we agreed that if an organization or business is struggling and may not survive, we would ask them to please speak up and reach out. 
that we can somehow offer them support or do business with them. And of course, this goes for any any business that is closed during this time, whether it's Nordic or not, and wherever you live in in the United States or or, or the world. I touched base with Kelly Goipner of the restaurant The Dane in Ballard, the place I first met the musicians Morten Alfred Heirup and Ruthie Dornfeld, who you may recognize as the folks featured in my very first podcast. Kelly told me that they're trying to stay open by offering things like sandwiches and pastries and espressos and growlers out the back uh, in their parking lot. They'll, they'll come out and, and uh, give it to you, deliver it to you right there. Um, give them a call and pick it up from their location on 15th Avenue Northwest in Ballard. That's The Dane. One big event that influences how well Seattle's Nordic businesses do, especially those near the Ballard neighborhood on the 7th... One big event that influences how well Seattle's Nordic businesses do, especially those near the Ballard neighborhood, is the 17th of May Parade, or Sittenamai. That's Norwegian Constitution Day. But in Seattle, we have high school bands and performers and musicians and clubs, fire trucks and police on motorcycles of every stripe. Uh, All of these folks participate. And of course, all of the Nordic lodges, associations and institutions march too. This year, the parade has been canceled. That means that the surgeon business and new folks joining Nordic clubs and museums during that time isn't going to happen. Some businesses really count on that. One of those businesses is the Norwegian-American newspaper, published in Seattle, Washington. I spoke with Editor-in-Chief Lorianne Reinhall, who says that the parade and ancillary events around Sittenamai are really important to her ad revenue. Most newspapers, you may know, are heavily dependent on advertising to pay their operating costs. Uh, Reader subscriptions increase around the 17th of May uh, for the Norwegian-American newspaper, as do uh, the number of readers who decide to buy Sittnamai and Easter greetings in April and May. That's an important other revenue stream for the newspaper. So I asked Lorianne if the paper could skip an issue or two in order to stay afloat during these times. I mean, maybe, you know, not putting out an issue would save enough money to allow them to keep going. And she said she was loath to do that since many readers depend on the paper for their news and stories, especially the elderly who may not surf the internet like you and I do. Being sequestered in our homes, it would be a bad time to skip one or more of the bi-monthly issues, she says. Still, the Norwegian-American is one of those businesses that may fold. Have you considered checking out their newspaper? I know you can get one at Bjorn Scandinavian Specialties. Well, you may not be able to do that in the future. Buying a subscription, placing ad greetings, or donating to their Road to Valhalla fundraising campaign all would help. Go online to NorwegianAmerican.com and search for subscriptions, greetings, or contribute to help them get through this time. I've not yet mentioned the many fraternal organizations in our area like Sons of Norway, Daughters of Norway, Northwest Danish Association, the Swedish Club, to name a few. These organizations are mostly nonprofits that all depend 
on their fundraisers, such as pancake breakfasts, dinners, bazaars, and, and the like, in order to keep the lights on in the lodges to pay rent, mortgage, taxes, and things of that nature. And while I think the members of these organizations will still hold together as groups during this time and after this time, their lodge buildings may not. You know, it's really hard for a group to remain cohesive if they have nowhere to meet. So if you're part of these groups or even interested in any of these groups, give them a call. See how you can help. I've left Bien Bakery, uh, a bakery in the Fremont area of Seattle, to last. Um, this business and Rachel Antelek, uh, one of the co-owners, has been perhaps the most vocal in trying to foster um, Nordic, the Nordic business community and keep them going. And I've uh, left her for last, my interview with her, because, well, she's so upbeat. What's keeping you afloat? The most loyal customers are keeping us afloat. I mean, we're, we're um, you know, I think, obviously, takeout is, you know, considered okay. And so what we've seen is um, nobody's driving to work, right? So there isn't the same commute business, but there's everybody who's staying home. So we're seeing, you know, we're seeing people now that sometimes we would only see on the weekends, but basically our, our base of customers is keeping us afloat right now. And, you know, we've been just incredibly humbled by the fact that, that we're, we're busy and it's, you know, people are coming in and out in a nice staggered way. We haven't had a crowd of people in the cafe at all, but, but it's, we've been pretty steady. It also doesn't hurt that the the apparently bread is out of stock in the grocery stores or some grocery stores. <laughs> so I think people have realized that we have bread and it's fresh and it's delicious. And so, you know, we're selling more of things like bread than we were selling before. And hopefully they'll never go back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you mention something? Can people order stuff online or is there some kind of a... Well, we have, so we've got, um, we have always had online sandwich ordering, so that's still there. And then we had been planning to go live with Postmates anyway, so we went live with Postmates last week, so people can, um, you know, order order delivery through them. Um, and then we also started doing curbside delivery, so you can call us, you can place the order, you can pay for the order, and then we will run it, you know, you call us again when you get there, and we'll run it right out. A lot of people just pop their trunk, we put it right in the trunk, and away you go. So that's that's something that we see more and more people taking advantage of this week. And then next week, we are going to start local delivery to Queen Anne, Fremont, Ballard, and Magnolia. So basically a two-mile radius around the store, and we're going to be delivering, I think we're set to deliver Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday afternoons. So you would call us, you would place an order, and then we would drop off during that window. We're doing that complimentary with a $20 minimum order, and then we're putting some packages to get, you know, obviously you can order a la carte from the bakery, but um, but we have, you know, we're putting a couple of things together like a, you know, a bakery survival pack that has bread and a coffee cake and some cookies. And then we're also delivering cakes, birthday cakes, right? Because mm-hmm. birthdays aren't stopped. Nobody's birthday goes away during this situation. Right. Everybody still has a birthday. How do you suppose, is it post me? Post me, it meets M-A-T-E-S. And it's like a Grubhub or a, an Uber Eats where you, okay. you have an app and you download the app and then you can go online and place the order directly through the app, and then they will schedule a delivery person who comes and picks it up from us. We're we're communicating obviously directly daily on on social media whenever we've got these changes, and that's 
that's, I would say that's been the other real help for us is we have a direct line of communication with our customers. And that's been fantastic because uh, they were already, they were already there with us before. And so now it's a great source of, of updates. And then obviously all of the, the community-based social media, like, you know, Ballard's got some really robust social media as a neighborhood. So does Fremont and, and those kind of those, some of the Fremont one is affiliated with the Chamber of Commerce and, and people, those organizations have been fantastic at help, helping to support local business. Yeah. You know, we're, we're pretty pleased that, you know, our model adapts itself well. It's different than, obviously, I think people would really love to be able to come in and sit in a cafe right now. That's, you know, for so many people, that's just part of their yeah. ritual and part of their comfort. And, but I think people are adapting, right, and figuring out how do they create those moments at home. And, you know, in our case, we're lucky because they want, they want our, they want our treats to be able to help make those moments happen at home. Any challenge with getting supplies, um, you know, the, the raw materials to, to make? Well, kind of, a, it's, a, it's a silver lining for us, but good news, bad news. I mean, one of our normal delivery guys that delivers a lot of baking supplies who would normally come at, you know, 2 or 3 in the afternoon, we saw him this week at 9, and he said, you guys are the only ones open. You know, they're not the only ones, but there's so many people who've closed down their day-to-day -day business that the supply chain is actually for us, it's not a challenge. You know, it seems like our suppliers are getting supplied and, and that's good, but we're also creative. So if, if we can't get something, then we can't get something and we will find a way to do something else. Right. And I think that's the other thing that everybody's pretty forgiving right now is that if your favorite thing isn't there, you'll find something else. And so, so far we have had no, no concerns about any of that. We're still opening our doors regular hours. Um, people are sleeping a little bit later and not coming in as early, but we're still there at, you know, tomorrow at 630. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. All right. So that's how some of the Nordic Seattle businesses and organizations I was able to contact are handling closures, um, who is struggling to survive, and how you can support them. All of these places are struggling in some way, but I heard some definite alarm bells from the Norwegian American, the Swedish Club, and Scandinavian Specialties. In this difficult time, with all the things that we have to pay attention to in order to stay healthy, it's, it's hard to pause and reflect on what our community would be like without these businesses, institutions, and organizations we cherish. Indeed, we often don't know what we really value until it's gone. That's our show for this time. Next time, we'll try to have more music and a more upbeat topic. I'm Eric Stavney. Vi ses. Thank you.